I'm Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. John, welcome back to Product Journey. I think you <clears throat> have been on Product Journey more than any other guest, so welcome. It's good to be here, man. Good to hang out. Yeah. Um, let's see, what should I say about you for those that might not know who you are? Um, let's see, you, you've done some SaaS stuff for a lot of your career now. I mean, when did you start your first SaaS business? So that was coming out of, let's see here, what about like 2010, 2011 or something like that? So long time ago now. Yeah. OG, you, you were in it before it was cool. <laughs> um, and then you sold that business. Um, Zoom Shift, right? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, Zoom Shift. Yep. And then since then, you've done multiple other like kind of micro SaaS businesses. You have you like own a couple now. You like bought a couple, you're kind of running those. And then you have Chatterdocs, which is your new thing, which as I understand it, is an AI kind of tool that pulls in um it, it learns on your docs and guides that you have for your SaaS or for your product, and then it becomes like this AI chat uh, bot that knows that knows all the information because it's trained on that, and then it can talk to your customers. Right? That's kind of that's kind of the main what it does, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Cool. So we'll we'll probably talk more about that because I'm kind of interested to hear more how that's going. Um, but then also you you work at Quiet Light, so you help other entrepreneurs and other people kind of connect to actually sell their SaaS um, and sell their their businesses, um, which is pretty awesome. And uh, <clears throat> you were helpful to me with my with selling potions. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man, it was fun to be behind the scenes there chatting with you through that process. That was a lot of fun for me. Good. Um, yeah, so that's that's John. So everyone knows. Um, so yeah, I want to hear more about kind of what you've been up to. Like, it, it sounds like you have a lot of things going. Like you have like two SaaS businesses that you, you acquired, you're, you're already, you, you have, I mean, quite like it's a full-time job. Is it, is it, is it full-time or, or almost full-time? Um, yeah. And then, and then Chatterdoc. So like, how are you splitting up your time and deciding like what you should be doing with your time with all those different things going on? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so the main thing I'm focused on right now is sell side, M&A, helping people sell their businesses through brokering through Quiet Light. And I would say I spend probably on average 20 to 30 hours a week on that right now. Uh, it can be as little as five to 10 hours a week, just meeting with entrepreneurs and helping them prepare materials to go to market. But when you're in situations where you have multiple deals, either on the market or under offer, uh, it can get pretty busy. So in the last month or so it's been probably 20 30 hours a week plus maybe sometimes so it's definitely pretty big commitment um and that's all kind of what you decide it to be you can at quiet light we can do as much or as little as we'd like to in that regard you're you're an independent contractor mm. you can set how many clients you want to work with at any given point so i've just taken on a, a decent amount and um it's, you know, why I'm busy there. And then I own a couple of these other small SaaS companies with partners, one on my own. And those ones are fairly um, like automated to a certain degree. I have customer support on one and we're trying to get the other pieces in place to uh, hire contractors to get things moving along on certain aspects of the business. So it's more about resource allocation right there versus building. And then Chatterdocs is kind of the at nighttime hack when I have time, you know, hacking on it and, um, you know, spending some time doing the outreach to do marketing slash trying to find um, partners and any, any sort of growth levers there. But yeah, I would say a majority of my time right now is still quiet light. And then it kind of fill in the gaps with, any project that I, I can try to make some headway on when I have the time, but all of them are pretty self-sustaining. There's, there's nothing too crazy. I mean, you got to the stage with potion, right? There wasn't like mm -hmm. tons and tons of stuff to do on the product. A lot right. of what you could do to grow the business was very strategic and finding partners that you could actually, you know, get more affiliate relationship with or something like that, like another boost in those ways. 
Um, so yeah. yeah, you can always make yourself as busy as you want with a SaaS business. Um, but there is with the, the businesses I own, at least they are, they're fairly passive. I hate to use that word, but they are fairly passive. <laughs> no, that's a good thing. Uh, the, if, if something's passive there, you know, <clears throat> I was seeing on Twitter recently, there's like a debate of like, is SaaS passive or like, can, can businesses actually be passive? And cause people like to argue about this cause you know, a lot of people like to say they're not, <clears throat> I think I think it's like a uh, a spectrum. Like there's like there's there's businesses that can be more passive. Like nothing is completely passive, you know, most likely. But it's like you can get a business, like you're saying, like you can get a SaaS to a point where like it doesn't have to take that much time, but then you know it still makes money and and stuff. But it's like you have to do the work to get up to that point. Um, but yeah, I I think those are nice businesses to have. Um, but then also it's like yeah, like if if you're not working on it it's probably not going to grow as fast as it potentially could like if you if you put more time onto it you probably could make it grow faster but it's like the return on investment like is it worth your time to do that um and and like with some of these micro SaaS businesses it's like they only can get so big so it's like yeah maybe it doesn't make sense to spend more time on it and just kind of let it grow on its own let it kind of do its thing um so is that is that kind of how you see your businesses, or do you feel sometimes like you're like, oh man, if I if I only had more time to to put into these, I could like really make these like grow faster or or something like that. Yeah, I think that I feel guilty sometimes that I'm not putting more time into each project, and you know, bouncing between things is not the ideal situation. And I think if you're going to own multiple businesses, the ideal situation is to have operators or a team behind it that is chipping away and you are kind of more again resource allocation thinking strategically finding those ways to um, think differently about the business instead of just being in there doing the seo doing like all the outreach doing all those things so i think the ideal situation as a holding company is to have uh, some of that in place but i think you also have to buy a bigger business then so the ones that i bought are mm. pretty small um, they're only doing, you know, call it collectively, maybe like 20 or 30 grand a month, like total with all the projects and that's split across partnerships and some stuff like that too. So it's nothing crazy. And uh, I think if you start to get into a bigger business, you have more opportunity to use the cash flow of the business to continue to grow it. Um, and I think everybody has different ambitions with what they want to do with things. Like, like you said, it's a spectrum. You can put all of your effort into maximizing every component of your business and optimizing it and you know trying to 10x it. You could definitely do that if that's your if that's what you want to do with the business. And I often think to myself, would I be better off doing something like that versus, you know, just kind of all these handful of projects? Um so you can take that approach, but I don't think that everybody has to. It's it's really a mm -hmm. it's a personal decision on on what you want to do and how the market is actually responding to it. Like, for example, one of the products that I have, like it's I, when I bought it, it did a roughly the same amount of revenue that it's doing now, and that's like a, over a year later. Um, you know, could I invest more into it and try to grow it? Yeah, I could do that for sure. Um, will it move the needle a ton if I work on it full time? Probably not, like probably not massively in this, <laughs> yeah. in this particular case with this um, business. And so I think when I'm evaluating businesses now to potentially buy or build and thinking about those things, like what's the true potential of this business and how much do I really want to, uh, you know, be involved with it and how, what's it going to take to kind of get it to that level where um, it's something that I actually enjoy working on. It's not controlling me. It doesn't require just a ton of oversight. Um, you know, as an example, one of the things I was thinking about is like, you know, we're building an AI right now. And I think probably one of the biggest opportunities there is actually just consulting an AI. I don't think, or, you know, mm -hmm. consulting slash building, but like having a small shop, a nimble shop that is just really, really good at automating, um, and knows the, the handful of either no code, low code or code tools to be able to get these automations done for folks. Like I think you could probably make a really good service-based business very quickly there. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that and I'm still thinking about it. Like, so maybe I'll do it, but at, at the same time, I'm like, I just know what that's going to require. It's going to require 
a lot of resources. It's going to require me to go out and hire people. It's going to require me to go out and sell to get the thing off the ground. It's going to require um, just a lot of energy and effort to get the ball run moving. And mm -hmm. unless you kind of build in some sort of recurring uh, revenue to it, you're going to be on a, a treadmill of, you know, just searching for the next uh, deal, the next kind of project. Right. So I don't know. It, it, when I look at like the opportunities out there, I think what's really difficult for me, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this, is it's hard because there's so many opportunities, I feel like, and you have to really get uh, disciplined about what is the right opportunity for you, not what's a good opportunity or what's a bad mm, opportunity. Because mm -hmm. I feel like there's just a ton of ways to win. There's a ton of ways to do interesting, cool stuff and fun stuff. But you got to figure out like, how does that align with your stage of life, your values, how much you're willing to work, what you want to work on, all those kinds of things. So like, I'm actually, my, this question bounces back to you a little bit, which is yeah. you're in this process now, you just sold Potion. I know we've been talking about like certain ideas that you've been like thinking about, but like, how are you yeah. kind of evaluating opportunities right now? Yeah, I think it is really tricky. And I don't think I'm good at like finding ideas. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one of those ideas people that like, you know, entrepreneurs, it's like writing 10 ideas down in their notebook every day. I'm more like, oh, I'll think of an idea like maybe once a week. <laughs> but I think it's also because I'm, I think I'm pretty picky about it too. Cause like you're saying, like, I, I do care about, like, I, I want to run a business that I enjoy running. I don't want to like run a business that I feel like is, is like a monster that I'm trying to like feed or something. Um, so I, I, I have a lot of like checklist kind of items that I, kind of go through in my head. I, I, I tweeted about this, uh, I think last week where I, I put like my list, I put my list of like 20 things of like, these are things that I'm kind of looking for with the business, um, like with an idea. And <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty picky about it, I think, because like, I, I want to find something that is, uh, you know, something that works for bootstrapping, but has like options, like where it's like, I could bootstrap it if I wanted to. But if if I wanted to maybe raise a tiny bit of money, like that's like that could work out with it as well. <clears throat> I feel like you also have to find like an idea that's like works to where you're not going to have to like compete with just like huge players that like have a lot of capital or, or big startups that can raise tons of money. Like I don't really want to compete with those kind of people. Um, and then like for this, this time, like I also have limitations on like, I, I don't want it to be built on a platform this time so that I can like feel like I can own it longer term. And like, like I, I'd like to have a business where I, I feel like I could enjoy running it and, and owning it for like the next 10 years, you know, something like mm. that. Um, so yeah, like I do want it to be something I, I care about. Um, I think another thing I look at is like, who are the like potential customers? Are those people I want to talk to and like hang out with and would enjoy like being around and thinking about their problems? Um, so those, those are some of the things that I, I look at. Um, but then, you, so you have all those filters of like things that, you know, are important to me as a founder. So like the founder fit, product fit or whatever you'd call that. But then like, I think it's hard then to find a product that like feels like there's opportunity for that fits all those things. Um, so yeah, I, I've, it is definitely hard and I've, I've gone through three-ish, four-ish ideas in the last, I don't know, four or five months and uh played around with different ideas prototype things talk to people um that's kind of my process is like i'll, I'll spend a couple of weeks on an idea really kind of trying to go deeper into it if i feel like there's potential there um so yeah that i guess that's my answer um curious for for you like with chatterdocs what what made you guys decide like you're you're gonna make this happen like you're gonna go for it with the the chatterdocs uh ai product yeah we when we started it wasn't really about trying to make it into any sort of uh you know sort of big idea or anything like that it was just kind of playing around with open ai and then we saw the potential. I think you get excited about an idea when you start to see the potential use cases and you start to lay in bed and start thinking about all the ways that you could potentially grow. Um, and you, you, could, you can't you, fall asleep at night and, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, about the idea. <laughs> yeah, you're just like mulling it over. You're a little um, entrapped by the idea and infatuated with the idea. And so 
went through that stage uh, kind of alongside of Ben, and we were just really pumped up about what the possibilities could be. And our approach to it was slightly different than some of the other folks that we had seen. Um, and we're still kind of evaluating how the market's responding to it every day. And so it's just to give you a, a picture into that, like we're getting a lot of signups lately, but like our conversion isn't amazing. And it's like, and we've had some churn and it's, so we're just trying to understand like what are people use, using the product for, uh, and who are our best customers. Like I got together with a guy the other day and he actually lives near me and he's using the product and he loves integrating with Slack and using it internally. And then other people um, only use it on their website. So it's just kind of figuring out, dialing in the use cases and understanding who's going to be our best customers and how do we target them well and how do we stand out against basically the hundreds of other competitors that have popped up in the last couple months. Yeah. So <laughs> that's probably the other aspect of this, which is, you know, there's a lot of momentum in AI right now but there's just so much comp competition. So mm -hmm. there's always trade-offs that you're going to experience with, with any idea. Um, yeah. You, you know, so it's, it's interesting to kind of see that and to hear your process a little bit, like your, your specs on things. Do you, when you're looking at an idea, are you thinking about like, um, you said there's no platform, you don't want to have platform risk. Um, I mean, notion and potion are exact, uh, exa perfect example. What are some other examples where you're like, Oh, this is, this is not a platform risk that you would see. Like, is it like kind of what we're doing in, in terms of relying on open AI or, or something like that, that's in generative, or do you see it more like this is a tool built specifically for Airtable or something along yeah. those lines? Yeah. I think it's, at least for me, my restriction is definitely more kind of the strict one of like, like not being built on top of intercom or Shopify or yeah, something like Airtable where it's like you know, building a tool that's like specifically for the users of that platform. And it's like something that's, you know, an integration or add on to that tool. Um, but the, you know, the funny thing is, as I've like explored different ideas and looked through different things, it's like to some degree, like you're always connected kind of to some platform, right? Like there's always some platform risk, you know, at the end of the day, like the main one's probably like Google, like, like, you, you need like those Google SEO juices to like work for maybe your business to work. And even with that, it's like also with the AI stuff, there's a lot of, you know, people a little bit worried about that. Like, oh man, they're like changing everything. And like, is this going to like take away traffic from all these different businesses and websites and stuff? And so like trying to make that not be like, I, I don't, I, I don't, like trying to make sure that my business isn't acceptable, just like if Google basically turns off the switch that like a business dies too, you know? So like, it is funny how there's, there's platform risk from all these different sides. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to be careful with that, but like I, those kind of businesses, like I would still build something that was had a lot to do with SEO, I think. And that was like one of the main drivers of distribution and stuff like that. Um, with open AI, like, um, I think there's definitely opportunity, like, like you're saying, there's tons of opportunity in the AI front right now. And I think there's lots of good products and solutions that will come out of that. I do feel like it's a little risky just because, um, who knows like how fast it's going to change. Like open AI may put out a model that like kind of just handles a lot of these individual niches or use cases that people are kind of building out as products already. So I feel like what you have to do in the AI space maybe is just like, just move really fast. And and I think like, that's okay. Like if that's what you want to do, that's fine. And, and if you can make money along the way, like it's been interesting seeing, what is it? Danny, I forget his last name. And then like levels um, on Twitter, like how they're doing all this AI stuff, you know, generating images and all this kind of stuff. And it's from what it, it looks like those businesses, it's like, They'll just like blow up right away. They'll get all this, all these people interest. They'll they'll get a t make kind of a, a lot of money um, in the process, and then maybe it kind of dies down a little bit, or it, it kind of seems like their businesses, those businesses have a lot of churn and stuff, just because there's a ton of people trying the AI stuff. They want to see how it works, and then you know maybe they move on or whatever. Um, but it's like okay, if you can make, I think like they're doing like fifty hundred thousand dollars within like a week or two, a couple of weeks, 
and maybe you have to move on. But like, if you can do that and build that out that quickly and then kind of go to the next thing, like that's, I don't know, that's a pretty good strategy. <laughs> that seems like that's working pretty well for them. Um, Tony is another person, Tony Dun Dingy, I forget how you say his last name, but Tony on, on Twitter, like he's doing like the AI, like basically a rapper around chat GPT and he's doing like a thousand dollars a day, um, in revenue. Um, and it's like, okay, I don't know how long that business will last, but it's like, if he can do that for the time being right now, it's like for, for a solo, like pretty small scale business, like that's, that's a pretty good um outcome i guess um so yeah like i think i think those the, that strategy of doing that is is good and fine i i for myself i just i don't know if i want to like have to move that quickly um and i i want to build something that i i could see like doing like five years from now um and so that's where with ai i'm i don't think i want to go into the world of like yeah building an ai product just for that reason um, what, what I have been playing around with is the idea of how could I make a business that really benefits from me using AI, like me using AI internally to like, really like, you know, get a lot of output on, you know, maybe that's like generating a ton of content that helps the business or like using AI to like automate some processes, kind of like you were saying, like doing the, someone doing the cult consulting work for this kind of stuff. Um, like I've been seeing, um, uh, Cortland from Indie Hackers, he's been using AI to like, just like automate different things behind the scenes on Indie Hackers and just like make things quicker. Like, oh, have this AI like rate these submissions coming in. And so then you don't have to do that. And then it just kind of automates things. So like that I think is really cool. <clears throat> and so I'm trying to think of different ways I can leverage that in a business to like just basically make my output way faster. And it's kind of another way to like take the advantages of it to maybe make a good business but it's not you know it's not an ai tool i'm making but it's it's a business that's just like i'm able to move faster because of using ai um i think i think that's really interesting so i'm, I'm looking at some different ways to potentially do that like how could i leverage those things because again like you know the i think that's something that like a new startup or like an indie hacker can really take advantage of is like how you know how can you use these ais to to really like move quickly where like older companies and startups that have a lot of people probably aren't thinking that way as much um or especially companies that have been around for a little while so yeah that's that's how i'm thinking about some of some of those platform risks some of those things that's cool what's a business that you see where you're like dang i wish i would have started that because even like looking back five years and like chipping away at it for five years and you'd still be in this position of like yeah i'm still really probably enjoying this business now because it meets, it hits all those filters. Are there any examples in your mind of businesses that you've seen along the way that you're like, dang, I wish I would have done that one. Like, because it's just, it fits some of those filters. Are there any that come to mind? Hmm. Um, I mean, this, it's funny because thinking about this, this is why a lot of businesses that people share, like on Twitter, get copied is because people are thinking this exact same question and they're like oh that looks like an amazing business i'm just gonna do that um um hmm. i mean i guess some of the first things that come to mind again are i kind of just because these are the people i follow on twitter and like it like you can kind of see that they're ma they've made a, like a great business i think uh like damon chen with testimonial like that comes to mind as like a great business to run and and continue because well one he was kind of one of the first to do that now like tons of people i think have been trying to follow that as well um so testimonial for anyone listening basically it's like it's it just makes it really easy to collect testimonies to put on your website and like his tool makes it so you can just like collect it from all these different sources and it's just like really easy and simple for people to add testimonies to their website but it's like there's there's such like an obvious value there that people are going to continue to pay for. Like you probably just run that business for a long time. Um, I think any business that like has just like a distribution channel, I guess that's what I'm thinking a lot about now. Cause I think distribution is like the hardest part. So it's like, if I could find a business that just, it starts to kind of just run on its own. And I, I feel like a lot of the businesses are based on SEO. Like if you have like good SEO, 
um, then that as that as your distribution it's like you can kind of get a business to a point where it starts kind of running more on its own a little bit and i think any business like that would be uh nice to run um i think um another business i've been thinking about it's like oh this is like a good example of that is um what is it hello sign um basically like the kind of like docusign but there's I feel like there's lots more like indie hackers and bootstrappers that have been building products like that, that, you know, it's such a big, it's such a big category basically that like you can bootstrap a business that's kind of competing in that space of like signing documents and stuff like that. But it seems like that's an example of a business. It's like, you just kind of have to get the SEO engine kind of running. And there's just like a need there that people are willing to pay for and, and company businesses will pay for it that, yeah, a business like that seems like it would be a nice one to to own and run too. Um, I don't know; those are those are just a couple ideas I've seen. But like I said, I'm I'm not. I feel like I'm not good at the ideas stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's something I think about a lot because I think whenever I look at a business, even though there are a lot of opportunities around, I think it's yeah. I'm always thinking about the trade offs of it, and so I'm thinking like for example, that AI one that we were talking about consultancy. Yeah. It is about resource allocation and figuring out, finding good people. And it's an, it's really, it's an arbitrage, right? You're trying to figure out how do you, um, you know, do it cheaper than somebody else, you know, a similar agency or find cheaper labor or whatever it is, or build internal processes with AI that's going to make it faster and easier. Yeah. Um, and I think all businesses like that to a certain degree, but I, I agree with you in that um, <clears throat> looking around and saying, you know, is this a business I really want to be in? You know, is this something like, yeah, sure, you can make money doing it, but like, will I even enjoy it? Is there something that I'm going to, you know, be waking up and like saying, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to working on this today. Um, yeah. And I think that drives people so, like some people care about that feeling more than others, right? Like some people are right. just drawn to winning and they just want to win. doesn't really matter what field it's in. And other people are like, no, I kind of want to enjoy this process. I kind of want to enjoy the journey. I want to make sure that it's really aligned with who I am and what I believe in all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, so I've met different kinds of people. And so whenever I see advice, either on Twitter or I hear a podcast or this or that, I'm always trying to like listen, like, where are they coming from in how they think about stuff? Because um, when you're looking at different playbooks or you're hearing how other people are doing things, you're like, man, is that really, is that what I'm chasing? Is that what I'm after? And you're kind of yeah. like trying to put yourself in, in those shoes uh, to hear it, uh, hear yourself and your own thoughts. But that's why no, I, I think, was asking for you. Yeah. On, on yeah. Like, I think that's a good way to business? think about that because uh, yeah, I think if you look at Twitter, it's like pretty much, the metric everyone's talking about is just like revenue, number of customers. It, it I feel like it is, if you, if you look at it, it, it does feel kind of like the highlight reel of like people just making successful businesses, trying to make a business work. But then it's not looking under the hood and being like, well, do you, do I want to do that? Is that something, is that a great business to, to run? Um, yeah. Cause it's like, all right, if we're talking about like just people making money, it's like in, in technology and in software development stuff like you can go find a job and like make money quicker probably easier working for some big tech company doing other things and it's like i thought we already signed like said like that's not what we want to do <laughs> but like that's kind of what it's, i've actually been thinking about this i think over the last two or three years um maybe this is just in my head i don't know but i feel like the indie hackers bootstrappers kind of mottos and like what we're trying to do has kind of changed over the last couple of years. And I, th I think it might be a little bit just because of indie hackers, like indiehackers.com, like Cortland and that podcast was a, a big, I think over the last couple of years, I think a lot of people got into this because of indiehackers.com and like that podcast that Cortland does. Um, and just people like seeing like, oh, like you can, you can make your own business. It can be a small thing and you can kind of build a business that you want to build and it can be profitable or whatever. Um, but I've noticed even like with his content on there, um, it used to be like these really small indie hackers that like had a business that did like 2000, 3000, $5,000 a month. And I think people saw that and was like, oh, okay, that's good. Like, I'm going to do that over the years. He's kind of moved up to like bigger companies, bigger entrepreneurs that are like doing more ambitious things that are like trying to build bigger businesses, even like people that are raising lots of money. He'll like interview those people now too. I think like that. And then along with 
um, My First Million, um, that podcast. I feel like everyone listens to that podcast in our circles. Like that's that's one of my favorite yep. podcasts. But it, it does Same. kind of push kind of these new ideas of like, oh, like you can go bigger. <laughs> you know, like you can you can make a business that makes more money. You can and so like I feel like the whole like bootstrap kind of indie hackers crowd has kind of stopped talking as much about like, oh, like we're trying to make a business that we just want to build kind of that fits our lifestyle, you know, more like lifestyle kind of businesses. It's more like, all right, we're just trying, now we're just trying to find the biggest opportunity and make the most money all of a sudden, you know, I, have you, have you felt that at all in the, the, the spheres, the, the circles? Uh, yeah, I think the the biggest influence there is probably my first million, like for sure. Everybody that I talk to in the in this world of online businesses listens to them or knows of them. And yeah. whenever I listen to them, the first thought that I always have in my mind is that scene from the social network where he's like, you know, a million dollars isn't cool, you know, whatever, you know, it's not, <laughs> yeah. you know, a billion dollars is cool. Like, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah, it, it's basically I always think of that and um and so I think about like some of the folks that I've met along the way that are doing really great businesses, uh, various sizes and um, just really interesting people. And those are usually people at like the micro comps, the smaller conferences and stuff like that. And they wouldn't they would never put themselves in this category of like, you know, uh, doing really interesting things. But I think it's really interesting because they're able to support themselves and they've been able to support themselves for over a decade doing this. Yeah. Um, they're just not the highlight stories that you're going to hear on my first million, right? Because you're going to you want to hear about those stories of like, oh, this person's crushing it. They're freaking going right, from right. zero to you know ten million dollars in a year, and they're yeah, just it happened fast. fast. Yeah, yeah, those are more interest. It's obviously more interesting to everybody. Right. Um, and so I I think because of that, I always I look around at, at that, and um, I definitely feel that desire sometimes just to be like. Yeah, I want to do that because like mostly just because I want to be able to prove to myself that I can do it. Not even because it's like I need the accolades or I need like I need the money or any of that. Right. Like it's just like more if you're going to play the game, like why not go big is kind of like the mentality a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It's interesting. I I've I have that kind of uh, on one side of the spectrum and then on the other side of the spectrum, I see it from the outside like. Well, there's people in this game um, that would rather or actually get more fulfillment from just selling a writing course or a very, you know, like people who would do more of the Daniel Vassalo thing. They actually yeah. would get more fulfillment enjoyment out of that. But it makes more sense for them financially just to pursue a bigger business, you know, because it's like it's it's really interesting to see how people think about those things. And it's like what maybe builds your audience is all the hype. Like that's what helps you get the, right, the right. audience the eyeballs, all those things. But it's not necessarily like the thing that um, is going to give you a lot of fulfillment and like really the life that you want. Like it's like some of the businesses that I've seen, even like those folks work like meandering into are these small digital kind of footprint businesses it's not necessarily like going all in on these massive businesses which is really interesting to kind of observe it's like you know they're just a few of the the influencers in this space but other people who will talk about like yeah you got you know, like sweaty startup or like some of these other other people it's like you got to get into physical businesses you got to do this you got to do that and then you're like well what are you guys doing though oh you guys are starting a bunch of like online businesses yeah it's like <laughs> oh okay like you know like um or, or you guys are making a lot of money from your courses actually. Oh, okay. Like, and so I look around and I'm like, I, I try to see what people are doing, not just what they're saying. Yeah. Their and actions. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, and try to work from that position a little bit more. It's like, if I was in a, you know, and having coffee with some of these folks, like is, would they tell me that, you know, just like if we were being real with each other, it's like, no, it's actually way better just to like have this course. It does like, a million dollars a year or whatever. And like, I don't really have to do very much. And like, that's actually better and cooler. It's just not as interesting. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not as like fun to talk about as like something that just blows up. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think you saw, I think I saw you replied 
yeah we both were planning this the the sweaty startups guy nick yeah like he he just like did a tweet about like all these things that he's like doing and like trying to accomplish i don't know in the next year or two and it's like super ambitious he's like he's got like i didn't even know he had this many businesses he's got like 10 businesses or something that he's running he's got you know a, a decent team doing it now but i feel like even with a team I just don't know how you pull that off. Like how, how does his brain not so like fragmented between all these different things? And, and, you know, it's like, I think it's different than doing like a, a micro SAS kind of, you know, doing multiple micro SASs, kind of like what we were talking about where like, that's definitely a more passive thing, but like a lot of these businesses, it's like, these aren't like small ideas. It's like, they were, they're like really complicated kind of projects where it's like, he has to have lots of people running them. And I don't know, I, I, that, one, I guess I don't think I'd ever want to do that, like what he's doing, like trying to run all those different things. And then two, like, I don't know how he's actually going to pull that off without like hurting, like splinting his brain into multiple things and actually make that happen. I, I'm just curious, what you, what did you think about that? Like him, like building all these different things and um, those businesses that he's he's building right now. I, so I felt bad about myself for, for a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like when I first saw that, I was that's like, that's the problem first too. Like with a lot of these people, it's like, at first you just kind of feel bad. You're like, man, they're like, it looks like they're doing all these amazing things. You're like, what am I doing? But then. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So initially I was just like, gosh, what am I doing with my life? Like, I'm like, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what am I doing? This guy's freaking crushing it on all these areas. And I. I don't know Nick super well. I mean, we've we've chatted here and there, but it's like, um, and I really do think he's crushing it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I had to kind of look at that from the lens of like, that's really awesome. That's definitely not me. Like, I think the the people who do multiple companies really well, like the holding company guys, the tiny tiny uh, seed dudes. Yeah. Uh, who, or not tiny seed. Um, tiny. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Wilkinson's thing. Uh, I think Nick's on this path too, but like what they do is they just partner with a really good operator and that's either mm -hmm. partnership in equity, that's partnership in profits. I don't even know exactly how it's structured, but that's how it works is you have a visionary and somebody who can bring in all of the traffic, essentially top of the funnel person, um, you know, chief kind of visionary of the, of where you can go in the market, where the hole is. And then you find an integrator, somebody who's amazing at the actual operating of a business and you put mm. them in place and incentivize them. That's how I think it's done. Um, I don't think it's done by wearing the hat of an operator in every single one of those businesses. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, and which, to which, be, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just say like kind of to your point, like, what is he actually doing with his time? Like, you can tell, like, he's kind of like just, um, he's kind of like building an audience. Like, that it feels like that's his almost main goal is to build an audience so that then he can like find the best operators and like he he basically then has the network to like make these businesses happen and like then put people in place to do them. Like, it seems like that's what he's spending most of his time on actually, and it's like this audience that he's built is like what helps him kind of partner with all these people maybe. Yeah. Well, if you look at all the people who are, you know, quote unquote, crushing it when it comes to uh, opportunities, it's those people that have built an incredible audience, an incredible following, like the Nick Hubers, the the Sean and, and the My First Million guys, like everybody kind of gets to this level where um, the success breeds more success because you can build up a following and then you can basically create any business off of that off of yeah, that audience yeah. or and so so obviously we see people doing that or is that just the only people we see right like i mean you you see a lot more businesses coming across where i'm guessing they're not people that have a following not people have an audience but like to us maybe or the normal entrepreneur that's like on twitter and stuff that's what it looks like it's like okay this is the only way to like do well is like grow this big audience and stuff but like it's there's got to be a lot of other ways that we're just not seeing right where it's just like people that behind the scenes that no one really knows about they're just like crushing it and you know they have a good business but it's like they're not public about it you know yeah well i think a lot of people um that you don't see are, are actually the bigger ones um <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the ones that are actually you know yeah, like they're just lurkers they're just or they're not even online like those are actually the, the bigger companies i think the audience play is interesting though from the standpoint of 
if you're trying to draw in new, um, like, so a lot of these guys are doing holding companies or they're doing minority investments, majority investments, uh, buying businesses, selling businesses, even some of them are getting into brokering and stuff. And so if for lead flow, like that's incredible, right? For, Mm, you know, it helps with everything. It helps with, uh, recruiting. It helps with all those areas. You can definitely do this though, without, um, building an audience, you don't have to have an audience. I mean, I think some of the people that have done the best uh, in SaaS that I know of don't have massive, massive audiences. Um, and so you can definitely do it that way. It's, there's there's no, you don't have to have an audience. I just think it really helps in drawing out certain opportunities, you know, especially if you're yeah. trying to do buying or building in, in, in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to, to see when it comes to opportunities, though, I don't think that it's you have to build an audience first. I think yep. it just gives you it gives you some leverage when you're trying to do some of the things that are necessary, whether it's recruiting, whether it's getting uh, connections to people who are um, at places where you want to work your your software into or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so so one thing that those guys like Nick and Sean talk I've been talking about recently and you know they've been doing for a little while that I think is pretty interesting and I'm I'm considering like okay what would this look like for me is basically like hiring people from overseas you know that the 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 company they talk about shepherd where it's like you can mm-hmm. basically hire someone from like the Philippines and for them like it's a good wage but it's like it's only a thousand dollars a month to hire someone full-time over there and you can, you know, start to build a team that way. That's just a lot cheaper, you know, 80% cheaper than if you were hiring people in the U S. So I've been thinking about that. Like, is there different ways I could leverage something like that to, to build a business? And I think with this next business, like I'd like to get a business to a point where I could hire five or six people. Like, I think it'd be kind of fun to like have a small team and, and work with people. Um, and it would just be a new kind of learning curve and kind of growth vector kind of for me to like actually work with people on something. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that. Like, is there ways I could leverage kind of hiring people, um, that, you know, it's, it's a lot cheaper. So you could, there's a lot more opportunities of kind of businesses that could work with something like that. Um, but then, you know, you have a lot more manpower to like make something happen. Um, so yeah, curious what you think about that idea of like building a business. Oh, not, I, it's not that the business would be built around that idea, but just like kind of trying to leverage that in some way. To leverage outsourcing like to a different yeah. country and, and there, yeah, for sure. I mean, I do a little bit of that myself with some, a couple of the businesses I own. We already hire people from overseas from the Philippines. So I've done that before. Um, yeah. And how's, how's that gone? Out. Like, does that work out pretty well? Like, is like some of the things I worry about is like, okay, like, is the communication like good? Like, is there, is there, could there, you know, is there issues with that? Like, is it productive? You, you know, how, how, how's your experience been with it? My experience has been really good. Um, and, and the situation that I've had though, that it was a little bit tough with one is just that, um, so some folks will accommodate us time zones. Um, other ones won't. And so that, that was like one of the only tricky things for me to kind of figure out was like, oh, okay, if we're, okay, I'm going to hire somebody over here, we're going to have a little bit different time zone. I'm going to be working on something and I'm going to need something maybe. And it was not going to get looked at for another uh, day or so. Cause it's just, you know, you're never going to be on the same time zone. So uh, some people though will accommodate that and just work nights. Essentially it's nights for them. It's daytime here. And uh, that's the best kind of opportunity. But in terms of quality of work, in terms of communication, um, all that kind of stuff, I've it's been a really good experience for me. And I've just hired people um, through what is it called? It's the Philippine Upwork or- like, online jobs or online. I think it's just like onlinejobs.ph. Mm-hmm. And I've just found people that way, and then networked in from you know hiring one person to finding somebody that they know, it's kind of like the, once you have somebody who is trustworthy, they most likely have somebody else that they know that they could bring onto the team. So yeah, yeah, I have somebody doing customer support right now for me on one of the businesses. Um, nice. It's super cost of cost effective. She does a great job. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. That's, that's cool. 
Yeah. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of people do this on the development side too. Like, so if I was going to get into the whole, let's say AI consulting thing, like I would probably want a project manager who is us based or something like that. But then most likely a lot of the hires are going to be from, I don't know, India or Pakistan or something like that where, um, yeah, the, the labor cost is going to be a lot less. Um, and you can, you can get some really high quality, quality developers from what I've seen. Um, you just have to kind of work towards it and and build the relationships, which takes time, but it's like, it's like anything, it's going to take some time and and effort, but that's, that's the gig. Yeah. Um, so another question I have for you, curious what you think about, because I've been, So I already have like an idea I'm working on. I have a, already have a business I'm working on. I, I think I've talked to you about it, but I haven't shared it publicly. And I've been kind of thinking like, okay, how do I want to do it this time? Because like obviously with Potion, I was very public about everything. I kind of shared all the numbers. I kind of shared everything. Um, and, you know, I think that was, there's a lot of benefits to that. I think there is potentially some negatives. Like, you know, you do get a little bit more copycats maybe, and maybe that doesn't matter. Um but at least with this idea, I, I just don't know how, like I like sharing in public and stuff. And so maybe I should just do it for that reason. But I am kind of just thinking about it, considering like maybe I should be more careful with it or maybe I shouldn't share as much just to like not have um, maybe issues of more people kind of copying what I'm doing maybe. Um, I think really the reason I haven't shared anything yet though is kind of because kind of I'm... Um, probably because I'm like self-conscious about the idea and what I'm doing (laughs) more than anything. It's more like a personal thing of like, oh man, like all these people aren't going to probably like it or think it's that cool. Uh, Especially with, it's been kind of funny how since I sold Potion, everyone's kind of asked me like, what are you going to do next? What's, what's their next idea? Like it's kind of this anticipation. And so then it's like, oh man, I think they're not going to think it's that interesting. They're not going to like it or think it's that interesting. So then I kind of don't want to share it yet. I've just been kind of (laughs) waiting You're um, keeping us all in suspense, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I felt that way for sure. But I think what you're feeling is more internal pressure. It's not, right. you know, this people are not sitting here waiting to be like, come on, no, it's got to be better than what you did last time. Right, right. You know, <laughs> I think I think people who are following you for for kind of who you are, they don't really care what you you know, like yeah. they're going to support what you do. It's not like they're going to come out and be like, dude this is terrible. You should, why are you doing this? this is dumb. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. you might hear somebody tell you that if they're really honest with you, but it's like, most people are just not going to care. They're going to be like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, and if it starts to blow up, then they'll be like, Oh man. Yeah. Like that's amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, most people are just concerned about their problems and all the things they're worried about. They don't really, I don't yeah. think anybody's going to care. Well, yeah. I think the other reason I'm, I'm trying to be careful is because I, so I do know I have a problem. I have a problem in that I care too much about what people think. So I, I, you know, some random person online on Twitter that I've never met before, you know, if they say something about what I'm working on, what I'm doing, like, I'll think about it for a while. Like, I care too much about what people are thinking. And in some ways, like, that's why I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit protective because like, I think ideas, ideas are really fragile, right? It's like, if, if you, you know, if you um, kind of don't let it play out to like figure it out, learn and like kind of decide what you need to do with this idea, how to, how to form it and stuff. If you don't give yourself that time to do that, at least for myself, like I can like destroy ideas maybe really quickly or too fast. And so if I let people kind of in on that, like I'm just kind of a little bit afraid that like I would do that and and not let something kind of get the, the, the light of day. Um, And that's maybe also why I'm kind of protective of it. Uh, of not just I don't want to share things too early because I'm just like I don't know like I'm kind of not sure about this yet myself either um but at the same time like you need to you need to like get feedback from people and um and and hear potential problems and things like that with ideas and businesses that you're trying to do and so it's like I, I definitely need to talk about it at some point but yeah I'm just I'm just kind of thinking through that like what I should do or you know, it's definitely, it's, it's a, it's a personal issue I have, I think. So <laughs> I hear um, you. I feel that I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's anytime you hear something negative about what you're working on, that's, it's demoralizing a little bit, or it's going to make you, it's going to sting. Right. So I think that's a very normal thing. I think you got to ask yourself too, with all this stuff is, or, or, or you have to kind of think about it, frame it from the perspective of this is just an idea. This is not like 
this is not who I am. I'm not married to this thing yet. Mm-hmm. I am trying to determine if I have enough conviction personally to, to move on. And what do I need to see to, to have that? Like, and whose feedback really matters there. And it's going to be mostly, most likely the actual customers, right? Like to, de- right. to determine if there's enough there, there. And so I would just, I wouldn't think of it as like, here's what I'm doing now. Like product launch or like whatever stuff. It's like, I've been experimenting with this. I'm tinkering with this. If anybody's interested, let me know. You can kind of start to get a read on how your audience will, will feel about um, if maybe even be potential customers, but then also take it with a grain of salt. If they're not, if they're not your actual target audience and it's like, who cares, you know, like right, go right. find your target audience by DMing them or on LinkedIn or whatever and be like, Hey, I built this for you guys. What do you guys think? And if the response there is good, then it's like, Oh, okay. Now you can have stronger conviction when you start to share more about, yeah. Okay. Over the last few weeks, I was, talking with this person, talking with this, and I saw this and this, and I realized that um, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and I think it's a lot different then because you have some momentum, you have some yeah. more conviction. It's not like, hey, I'm doing this now. And then like, you have to back it up. You have to like start from this premise of, okay, well now I got to do it because I said I was going to do it and everybody's going to think I'm a flake if I don't do it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So. Or you can do kind of what, like uh levels does where it's like i feel like they some of those guys have so many projects that i can't even remember all the things he's doing so it's like he just he just and he just quits them i think like slowly and then like no one really knows (laughs) because it's like he's just done so many things it's like no one cares um he's just you know he has things that are working well but it's like he's also um just quietly quitting things even though he's so public about all the things he's doing it's just it's it's hard to keep track of all the things <laughs> so that's another strategy <laughs> yeah i mean um, even some of my like so the, the basic camp guys are a good example of this like they they were f- folks that i followed forever i thought they were like the best thing and i still love all the a lot of what they what, do what happened to them by the way like I, I haven't seen them you know the base camp guys i don't i feel like i don't see them at all anymore they're they're still pretty active um in their products and building product they just aren't as uh maybe featured in your feed and your in twitter and stuff but like they're still doing really cool stuff. They built, Hey, the email, um, you know, personal email and then business email uh, solution. And they, so that went really well, but that for them, they also sunsetted a few of their older projects. I think it was like, um, high rise and campfire and some of these other things. So they kind of baked them into base camp. And so they've shut down things along the way too. It's not like they haven't adjusted and pivoted and changed their minds about things. I think one of the things you got to do as you're in this process and I'm th- speaking to myself here too, cause I'm always evaluating ideas and evaluating what I'm doing, but it's like, it's just, just understand that like, you're going to change your mind and that's okay. Like you can change, be, be okay to change your mind. Um, and, uh, and, and go after something and just see what happens and not have it feel like, Oh, this is my next identity is like wrapped into this thing. Like it's, it's just an idea. It's just a business really. Yeah. It's, it's just those things. And worst case scenario, you got to shut it down. You lost a little money, you lost some time and you get back up and you try something else. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, that that's a uh, good advice. That makes sense. Um, let's see, kind of maybe one of my last questions for you is, so my, my idea that I'm, I'm kind of mainly focused on right now, it's not actually a SaaS. At least to start, it's not a SaaS. Like I could maybe see someday it becoming a SaaS. And this is another thing I'm a, uh, well, I, it's, I guess it's something I have to figure out for myself a little bit. It's like, okay, would I want to run a business like this? Because it's basically mostly a business based around just getting a lot of traffic to the website. And then from there, like basically having sponsors, having like ads. And, you know, that means I'm half, I'm probably, it means I would have to, you know, be finding companies that want to sponsor every month or, or whatever that, that, that comes up. Um, and I think that's, you know, already, I know, I, I don't think I would like, I don't, I wouldn't like that being my main thing of like, all right, I got to like find new sponsors every couple weeks. Like I, I, I can already know, like, that's not the thing I would enjoy doing, but I think again, that's where, you know, maybe hiring somebody, you know, could, that something could work nicely with that. Where if I had someone that's like more of a salesy kind of person that's handling that side of things, that would be awesome. But 
as just like a business model, like what do you think about that kind of business model instead of a SaaS where it's just like, you know, you already, you, you can kind of very much know how much revenue is coming through every month because it's pretty consistent and stuff like that. Do you, do you see many businesses like this, like come through on, at QuietLight? Is it mostly SaaS businesses? Yeah. Just curious what you think about this kind of, that kind of model. Yeah. So you're talking about a content or media kind of play. Yeah. More yeah. All. yeah. Yeah. Those do really well. Um, at quiet light, they're a lot easier to operate because they're just simpler. You don't have to invest as much into R and D like with, um, software. So your goal is really just to, you know, get traffic, get audience, build eyeball or get eyeballs either through search, through social, however you're getting it. And then leverage that to get sponsorships, to get, um, you know, affiliate, whatever, how you, however you want to monetize it. And there's lots of different options to monetize. So, um, I like that model personally, and I've seen a lot of people win at it. I think it's, um, yeah, it's just one of those games that if you want to get into it, there, you got to pick if you're going to go more long form and, uh, you know, try to do these things that are going to uh, rank really well, or if you kind of try to just be building that everyday kind of thing where you're getting in front of people um, and people more like, more like news and newsy kind of yeah. content that like people are going to be wanting to see every day. Yeah. And you can do a blend of this for sure, like your evergreen and then that. But I there's definitely a um, a blueprint here. And I mean, the hustle has has kind of, you know, been the pioneers at this. They've built uh the media empire of, of like off the back of a newsletter or a simple newsletter. And so there's a lot of ways to, to do it. And I think that it's a really interesting business model to me because it doesn't involve, you know, uh, building an actual product. Um, but your product is just like the audience that you eventually build up. That's what you're essentially like selling. And then right. the revenues that go along with that. So um, I love that as a model. I, yeah, I think it's a I think it's an amazing model. And then also once you have the audience and you have that, there's always options to get into software if it's in a specific niche. Um, right. There's usually yeah. other ways to verticalize it. And by verticalize, I just mean like take what your audience is into and then build other products, digital or physical, that you can yeah. sell to them. And that, you know, so audience is really whether you're doing it from um, search or you're getting it from social. Um, it's just so powerful. Like we were getting back to you earlier with, with everything yeah. that like Nick Huber, or Alex and Rosie or all these people, it's like, it's just a massive form of leverage that you can, uh, direct in, in any way. So yeah, yeah I think I it's like, a great place to start. I like when looking at it as like a, a business model, I like that it has a lot of options. Like there's a lot of, like you said, like there's a lot of different ways you could take it. It's just like, once you have distribution, it's like, then it's just figuring out, you know, what those people are wanting, what they need. Like you can do info products, you can do courses, you can do a SaaS product. Like I just like that there's a lot of options with it. So that that's one of the things I think that's drawn me to it a little bit. Um, okay, last question uh, before we kind of end up here. I'm curious, like what's what is your like main focus right now? Um, like what's what's the next like month or two? Like what what are you? what are some of your goals in the next month or two that maybe it's with Chatterdocs, um, maybe it's with a combination of what you're working on. Like what is, yeah, what's your kind of your focus and goal over the next two months? Hmm. Uh, biggest goal is really just to help sellers right now the best I can with the deals that I have going. So help them exit well, help them land the deals, get them done. Um, and then when it comes to products, I think just continuing to iterate and continuing to chip away in the areas that I can on those other products that I have going right now. Um, some of those areas are around distribution and marketing. Some of those areas are on the product itself, improving those things. Um, I think I just need to get a little more dis disciplined, honestly, about um, just what I'm doing in those businesses on a regular basis. And... Yeah, so I think my main goals though are really just helping the people that I have that have I've already established relationships with, helping them the best I can as we're nearing the finish line, and then um, continuing to nurture the businesses I have. I know it's a little ambiguous, but it's like I don't have these very set like okay, we're gonna hit this milestone 
by uh, day yeah. you know, 60 or something like that. It's more just like continuing to chip away and um, yeah. you know, keep that momentum going. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and I, I get that where it's like, um, in some ways, that's that's the that's a, a fun way and, and an enjoyable way to do business and stuff is like you can kind of just do it at your own pace in some ways. You know, maybe it's not as like you have this like specific goal of like, all right, I got to like do this one exact thing. But it's like if you had that goal, you'd probably be more stressed about it and you might not actually do it. Um, but just being able to just if you're slowly making progress like that's that's good. Um, well, awesome. Thanks for chatting with me, John. It was it was fun. And uh, I'll put links to whatever uh, businesses you want us to link to in your Twitter and stuff in the in the description and stuff so people can find it there. And uh, yeah, thank you, John. Awesome. Thanks, Noah.